Hey all, it's your co-host Nick here with Psychedelic Passage, and I want to share what our organization does and how we can help you on your psychedelic healing journey. We originally started Psychedelic Passage to give folks access to psychedelic therapy within the comfort of their own home. And in the process, we realized that most people have no idea what they're looking for in a guide and they don't know which providers are qualified. The consequences of sitting with an unqualified provider are dire. There are lots of self-proclaimed facilitators out there who simply don't know what they're doing. And unfortunately, facilitator abuse and ethical violations happen regularly in this space and result in lasting psychological impacts. To solve this, we selectively curated a network of providers all over the U.S. who operate with integrity. This allows us to help you as a client by advocating for you and your care without a conflict of interest, screening facilitators on your behalf to ensure they know what they're doing, and holding facilitators accountable for their actions, so you have peace of mind that the provider you're matched with is in good standing. Instead of searching through hundreds of unvetted online provider profiles, you can simply book a call with us and our concierge team will take into account over 20 different variables to get you matched to a trusted facilitator who can provide treatment in the comfort of your own home. We want to give you the confidence that you're sitting with the right provider for you. No matter where you're at in the psychedelic therapy journey, we're here to help. Simply click the link in the show description below to book a consult and get connected to a trusted provider today. Welcome to the Psychedelic Passage Podcast. My name is Jimmy Wynn. I am your host today. Thanks for joining us in another episode on the podcast where we talk all things actionable, tangible, and psychedelic experiences. And with hope, we give a little bit of value to your intentional psychedelic process. We're circling back on a topic, I think, today that we have I think interwoven through our episodes throughout the past, gosh, I guess we're on episode 78 now. And that's talking a little bit more about uh, integration. Specifically today, we're going to be chatting about the various forms of integration and the different ways that people navigate and move through their integration process. So as a little bit of of a preface, I think I'd like to start by talking about integration, obviously, in itself, you know, you hear a lot about integration being the most important aspect of psychedelic experiences, you know, it's only as meaningful of an experience as we can take into our daily lives. But there's, there's actually not as much, I don't believe, dialogue about how integration goes about how unique integration is, you know, for the the individual just depending on their own wants, needs, desires, current conditions in life, and, and, and the like. And so I think as more and more folks are having intentional psychedelic experiences, so too is this need rising for good resources and good outlets for integration work and integration practice. And so looking forward to diving into that today uh, with you all on this episode. So that makes sense, right? Uh, Folks are having more psychedelic experiences. And so people are always asking, what's the best form of integration? Or what do I do from here? I just had a psychedelic experience. Like, what do I do from here? And 
I'll, I'll first just make a disclaimer that this episode is in no way to patent a specific process or say that we figured out the secret to integration. I think very far from it. You know, integration is a, a deeply personal practice. And I, I really don't believe there's a one size fits all. I think our attempt today is to highlight some best practices, you know, our lessons from supporting over 1,200 folks through ceremonial programs and and microdose programs. And I hope that in this conversation, uh, there may be one or two things that pique your curiosity or pique your interest or, you know, something that you might want to experiment with and try and see if that suits you. And, you know, the, the reason why I started off by saying that we don't have this secret formula or secret recipe to integration is because I, I think psychedelics has this funny phenomenon or dynamic of, as I've mentioned in episodes before, being at the intersection of a lot of different things like neuroscience, spirituality, personal growth, trauma work, mental health, but also psychedelics are also live at this intersection of what we see nowadays in our society around, you know, wellness influencers. And I think wellness influencers are somewhat next to, I think, like holistic health services. And so I guess a word of caution that anybody who is, you know, selling you on a proprietary method or trying to share with you, oh, I I know the secrets to integration because I know what worked for me. I just offer folks to have a a little bit of caution. Do do your due diligence and really explore to understand whether, you know, this individual you're working with, whether it's a facilitator, a guide, a service provider, some other licensed, you know, individual has your best interests in mind because I think it's very easy for folks to go through integration, they find what works for them, and then they're like, "Oh, well this must be what integration is like. If it worked for me, then it should universally work for other folks." Well, there's more to it than that. I think that there's cultural considerations, I think that there's identity considerations, there's life history stuff, and so integration is actually a little bit more challenging, I think, to navigate. And the other thing that I'll mention before we jump into, you know, some of those best practices that I had alluded to is that integration is much more than talk therapy. I think that most folks who think about integration are thinking about talking through their experience, thinking about, you know, logically processing their experience. And though those two things are important, I just want to highlight that that's not the whole picture. I think that there's a broader way of, you know, what Nick calls like embodying the integration process. And so, your integration process, as I mentioned before, involves your beliefs, your boundaries, your values, preferences. And so it's impossible to say that there's any perfect process of integration. I find a lot of clients of mine who move through psychedelic experiences feel like they have to do it right. They have to do preparation right or ceremony right or integration right. And although I think that there's merit in wanting to put forward your, your best foot, and your best effort towards a potentially healing or therapeutic process. I think even the concept of doing it right in itself has some pitfalls. You know, the the idea of doing integration right is in itself somewhat of a conditionality. And that can actually set up a lot of pressure for somebody who has just gone through a psychedelic experience, no matter how difficult, easeful, confusing, 
or profound. We have an episode in our library around like the afterglow process and you know what folks are are deeming as like peak times around neuroplasticity and around you know making the most of your psychedelic experience and the main thing that I'll say is that it really is never too late. I have certainly, you know, had psychedelic experiences where I had it, got back to life, tucked it away on a shelf, and then weeks and months later I'm like, ah, I need to go back and revisit this. I need to look at this. There's like something for me here that is unprocessed. So we'll dive into that, I think, a little bit today. So as mentioned before, integration is not just about, you know, talk therapy or or talking to a coach or a facilitator. That verbal expression is extremely, extremely important. But not everything can be worked through linguistically. My hunch is that a lot of our language has the process and go through our mind. And if, if you've heard anything on our podcast before, is that these psychedelic processes are beyond the mind. I think they involve more than the mind, whether that's our spiritual selves, our emotional selves, our felt senses, you know, just as an example. And just setting that up, because I think some of the examples that we'll talk through today cover some of those broad areas and ranges and hope that that's a helpful frame up for you all. So, today we'll be talking about the different layers of of the integration process and the different aspects of practice that might be helpful to consider when you're figuring out, you know, your own integration process. And so my piece of advice here is to take what works for you and really leave the rest. And when I talk through integration with folks who are who are moving through psychedelic experiences, I use a lot of analogy when I'm, you know, trying to express frameworks and different, you know, modalities and practice in psychedelic integration work. And so for a lot of my clients, I use this analogy that you are a big scientific experiment of the self. Uh, Almost imagining you're a scientist in a laboratory, the laboratory is surprise, surprise you. And you're testing hypotheses, you're seeing what may work, you're seeing what may move you in the direction of your intentions. And so with any scientific process, most scientists would be open to all of the different outcomes and possibilities without ruling them out due to bias before you go and test them. That broadens your range of what might be useful, helpful, and available to you in the psychedelic experience. And when I think about this, and I dive all the way down to the core of what is integration really? You know, I think on the surface, it's about, okay, processing psychedelic experiences, integrating it into our everyday lives. Sure, that makes sense. But I think there's something more to that. So I I was ruminating on this a little bit before recording this episode. And what I arrive at with the real goal of integration, ultimately, it's to develop and maintain a healthy and loving relationship with yourself. I feel like by saying that, that is pretty universal, regardless of if you're moving into a psychedelic experience to relieve a mental health issue, or to process some trauma or grief, or to discover yourself a little bit more in your identity, or to show up better in the lives of others. And so I think that developing that and maintaining a healthy and loving relationship to yourself, ultimately, to me, is the key 
to any integration process because this can be a messy process when you are doing an internal dive into possibly parts of yourself that you, let's say, for example, are ashamed of or parts of yourself that you dislike or have an unhealthy relationship with. And so discovering into your identity, you know, developing tools and the support around you to navigate that dynamic, knowing that it's sometimes clunky and that it's sometimes messy. And having, I think, a sense of compassionate inquiry can be really, really useful, I think, in in an integration process. Because as a part of this scientific experiment, you also need the observer of that scientific experiment. You also need the one that's calculating the data so that you can go back and review and look through your integration process and you determine, okay, what's working here for me? What's not working? And, and I offer and suggest that for folks, anyone going through an integration process is to periodically, whether it's after an experience, a couple of days or weeks or once a month to like, just pause and check in and reflect on your integration process. And that might help you to make these little adjustments and these little course corrections. Because again, this is not a conversation of, oh, well, if you do this tool and this exercise, then you will feel X, Y, Z. I wish it could be as simple as that for me to be able to recommend that to you. And so you have to do your own checking to see what's working for you at any given time. And surprise, surprise, we're humans who have ongoing needs and preferences and energy levels and life happens and life content happens and things don't go as expected. And so what's working for you at any given time likely will shift and change as you move through an integration process. So this thing is not static, I think is the main thing that I I want to express. And so let's dive into it, I think, a little bit today. And the first place that I would start you know, again, we're talking about the various forms of in- that, that the integration process can take on. But I think no matter what, a really core component of an integration process is starting by tuning in and regulating your operating system. Now, folks have heard us use this analogy before. Obviously, there's you know, it's not like there's a circulatory system, a um, (laughs) respiratory system, and then operating system. Operating system is just the analogy that we use of your entire function as a human being, kind of the same way that a computer has hardware, but then it has an operating system of which you interface with, you could run software, XYZ, I think you you get the, the analogy. And so when I'm thinking about you know, my own operating system, I'm thinking along a couple of different lines, my, my mind, I'm thinking about my body, I'm thinking about my uh, emotional self, maybe for some who feel into this, my uh, spiritual self. I'm also, you know, thinking about my narratives and my stories and my habits and my patterns. And so, What I mean by regulating your operating system is to find some practices that can help you to tune into each of these different parts of yourself. So off the bat, I feel like this is super straightforward and probably not a surprise to many folks, but regulating your operating system through some type of mindfulness exercise, practice, or activity. 
I think that mindfulness, by the way, is somewhat of a elusive or vague term for folks. I think that mindfulness, A, is practiced in, in a lot of you know different ways. But for the context of this conversation, I would define mindfulness, and this is not a, an end-all be-all definition, by the way, but I would really define it as connecting your mind to your senses, your felt senses, which in doing that process connects you more to your noticer or your observer or to your witness. It's pretty interesting. I was having a conversation with somebody the other day and they were like, well, I never, I I don't have like a noticer or a listener or an observer. And I shared, well, have you ever had this moment where you said a thought to yourself or said something to yourself and asked yourself a question? And they're like, yeah. I was like, well, if you're saying it internally in your mind that, and you're receiving the information, that means that there's a part of you that's listening. There's a part of you that is noticing or observing or even maybe responding. I think that that developing that noticer is so, so important as a foundation of this because it's that noticer, I think, who is going to notice your narratives and stories, that noticer who is going to check in with your habits and patterns and see if that's aligning with your intentions or the type of life that you're, you're wanting to live currently. It's going to be the noticer that's feeling what's going on in your body, especially around somatic work. It's going to be that noticer who is tuning in with your emotions. And so I think this mindful aspect is really helpful. And I suggest, you know, some type of daily activity revolving around this. So that can be breath work, uh, meditations, guided meditations and exercises, affirmations, spoken word affirmations. There's also, you know, noticing exercises uh, like the Heart of the Rose meditation. This can be meditative music. I, th- I think you're getting the point. But I think spending a little bit of time each day around mindfulness is a really, really great place to start. I think the second piece of regulating your operating system is to take kind of those same principles and tools and tapping into your emotions. I know that this is hard for for many, many folks. And I think what's really key here is to give yourself permission to feel it. That's so, so important, especially with folks who are having, you know, really challenging experiences post, you know, psychedelics where they're feeling actually an exacerbation of a lot of the symptoms and felt effects of whatever's going on in their life. They're feeling it more acutely when maybe their intention was to go in and find some relief from those things. But I don't want to oversimplify this, but that may be a process of actually emotional release and, and, and trauma release. You know, we've talked about the work of Peter Levine in the past, and I'm reminded of that, you know, as I'm speaking here. And again, I like to use analogies. I like to use things that are simple and easy to remember that can evoke these large ideas or these large processes, these aren't mine. I didn't invent these or make it up. But I'll share two things that are extremely, extremely helpful for me when I'm talking about feeling into my mindfulness, tapping into my emotions. One is you got to name it to tame it, which I think was a, uh, I think that was coined by uh, a mental health professional sometime back in the 90s. So name it to tame it. Like, can I name this feeling or this thing or this discomfort or this whatever dynamic that's going on in my life. So name it to tame it. The second one that's related to this emotion part is you got to feel it to heal it. 
And I think one of the issues with, you know, the way that we engage with substances and mental health is that so much of it is about alleviating the feeling or blocking the pain or the grief or the trauma associated to the feeling where in all of my years of psychedelic work, time and time again, I'm being led to to know that it's actually feeling those things fully that give you this process of releasing it or potentially, you know, healing from it. Now then that leads to something that we'll chat about later, which is how do you set yourself up with a good system of support and a good environment of safety for you to be able to feel it? Because that's not going to be an easy process. And I really, really acknowledge that. So, okay. Regulating your operating system. We're talking about mindful exercises. We're talking about, you know, the emotion self and the emotion body. I think other really straightforward things is some type of physical activity every day, every other day, a couple of times a week, just moving your body in any way that you can, whether that's getting a stand-up desk, going on a walk, joining a dance class. Like there's so, so many different ways, but just having a good sense of physical activity can be helpful because another part of this idea of regulating your operating system is just ensuring that all of these parts of yourself are working in alignment, I think are working in unison. So many times in psychedelic experiences, I have folks, you know, kind of highlight like, oh, I didn't realize how disconnected my mind was to my body, you know, to my emotions. And so it's about reconnecting and turning on all of these parts and connecting them to each other. And I acknowledge that that is really easy for some, that can have a lot of obstacles and roadblocks for some, and that can be downright painful for others. And so I just really acknowledge that and have a big seat of compassion for all of that. So other different you know, areas, this is where I'm going to dive into a little bit more around recommendations and things that you might explore and that you might try. Again, I'll just mention that none of this is medical or mental health advice. I think these are all options that are with hope available in your local area. I know that accessibility, depending on where you're at regionally, where you know your identity is socioeconomically, uh, whether you're in rural areas or not, I know that there could be some barriers to access around these things. But this just more serves as a kind of like a the greatest hits of integration, I think, from clients that that we've worked with in the psychedelic passage referral network. So speaking of physical activity, I am always a fan of, you know, anything related to body work, if you're open to um, that type of professional and therapeutic touch, whether that's a chiropractor, whether that's massage, whether that's, you know, Eastern or Chinese medicine, like acupuncture or cupping. Um, I think any of those things that can put a little bit more care into your body, highly, highly suggested because the preparation process the ceremonial process and the integration process, it just takes a lot out of you physically, emotionally, you know, so the more that you can do recovery, I think through this process, I think that that's super helpful. Um, Related to mindful processes, but also I think this is, is a bodily process as well, but I've heard a lot of really good things around sensory deprivation tanks especially post-psychedelic experience, 
where you know you're coming out of an altered state of consciousness and then you're coming back into a world that generally has just a lot of stimuli it has a lot of information a lot of data a lot of things for your you know being to to consume and so being able to limit and lower that stimuli via things like sensory deprivation tanks or you know even like epsom salt baths in your own you know private space can go a really really long way I'm going to laugh at myself at this next one because I've never done a day of this in my life. But yoga is also another example of an exercise that likely, it's probably more than an exercise. It's a lifestyle for sure, but that tunes in different parts of yourself, your body, your mind, the quietness of the self, physical, you know, activity. So just throwing out like a couple of different options and, you know, again, I think that something that is helpful here is to find whatever activity that just brings you to the present moment. Any type of activity where you're focused on that thing and only that thing, whether that's cooking a meal, whether that's uh, a pickup sport. Some of my clients have been really getting into pickleball lately. Uh, Whether that is going to the gym, whether that is doing something else, you know, competitive. I think finding those activities that you already have an interest in and that bring you to the present moment is a great way to then explore and and then, you know, try to figure out, okay, does this meet my need for physical activity? Does this meet my need for something competitive? Let's say, for example, does this fit my need for being present-minded in in that moment? And I think by extension of this, it may be the same activities or it may be different activities. But I also find uh, offer to find an activity where you are expressing yourself in some type of way, whether that's creative expression, expression of the arts, expression of the body, expression about an interest or a hobby, something that you're passionate about or represents your relationship with your identity also can be another lens when you're going out looking for, you know, different activities or different, you know, things to try. I think as a part of this, what's really important is to then zoom out and really consider your support system, meaning, do I have the right environments and the right people around me that are encouraging and fostering of not only my integration process, but my, you know, big experiment of the self process. And as always, I think that it's important to be around folks who are supportive and non-judgmental. It can hold compassionate space for you. But I also just acknowledge that not everybody is going to serve that role or that piece in your life. I know for many integration processes, for me, there have been, you know, my core circle of supporters. There may be some folks, you know, on the realm outside of that as far as my larger community. And then there may be just folks that are, you know, in my network or in my community or a part of an activity group or a part of a a social, you know, circle that may not know directly about what's going on in my integration process or my psychedelic experience, but still feeling into that sense of larger community may be helpful there. And so I kind of deem that as like direct support versus indirect support. And what I mean by that is that your direct support should for sure be folks that you can go to and can confide to confide in, folks that can hold that safe, supportive, 
non-judgmental, you know, space, that compassionate space, that's direct support. But then indirect support might be that really friendly person at the gym that you have good conversations with, or that person that you see every day at the coffee shop or the grocery store or something that feel like are, are part of your community, but maybe you don't have that close connection with for you to be able to need to call on them like that in that personal way with your direct support. So talking about community engagement, you know, I acknowledge that there are folks out there who don't have a good foundation of, of community. It's really hard. We're just humans. We got a lot of life stuff going on. You know what I mean? It, it is really hard to go and connect with others. And I think some great places to start if you are an individual who's who's feeling like you're lacking in this area is to maybe start with some online groups, um, whether it's a support group or a community group. It can be non-psychedelic related things like, again, activities, hobbies, sports, whether it's an identity or affinity group. Uh, the website meetup.com, I think, is a really, really helpful space here. I think that, again, this can be psychedelic or non-psychedelic, but I think starting out by by just putting yourself out there a little bit and engaging with the world and the people around you, that's a really, really, really helpful part of integration. Before I knew much about you know formal integration practices or the process around it, I had so much benefit and meaning post-psychedelic experiences, just being around people that I cared about and being around people that I like to be around with. We weren't diving into my stuff or having a formal like integration process, but over time, just being with people and with folks, people who maybe felt safe, maybe felt comfortable, maybe felt okay in being myself, I think is huge, huge in that regard. So this next part, I think, is is interesting because I was saying that the integration process is not just relegated to talking, but I was also highlighting that that talking process or that linguistic process is really important. The reason why I bring it up now is, is as I talk through different types of therapy uh, and counseling, some of these by nature will involve, you know, talk therapy. I think that it's worth mentioning that there are a lot of different modalities of talk therapy. I think that there are a lot of different modalities of therapies that don't use verbal linguistics as like the main base to it. And so this is somewhat an accumulation of potential therapies um, that we found to be really great adjuncts to psychedelic work, meaning that they are very compatible generally with uh, intentional psychedelic experiences and processes. The first one you've heard us mention quite a bit is, you know, uh, somatic therapy. I think what's generally termed as like somatic experiencing. So that can be something that you can search as like a skill set or um, a modality of different mental health professionals. One thing that I actually think is extremely overlooked in this world is art therapy. I think art therapy is overlooked in general, and it can be a really great adjunct to psychedelic experiences. I think that by nature with psychedelics, you know, a lot of the experiences that I've had sometimes come in symbols or imagery or 
you know, design and patterns. And so that's not something that you can verbally describe all the time. But being able to make a piece of art, to be able to creatively express yourself, to be able to go through some type of a creative process, I think can sometimes be cathartic for folks. I think sometimes can help to connect the dots and draw meaning. So art therapy as a version of psychedelic integration, I am a huge, huge, huge fan of. These next ones are, I think, related to just different types of like mental health and therapy practices that that I've seen to be, you know, fairly compatible with psychedelics. Now, again, you have your own sovereignty, please do your own due diligence and your research to find out if there's a therapeutic model that works for you. EMDR, which is an eye movement and light based therapy that I found to be extremely helpful for folks with unprocessed trauma. There's also somewhat of a newer therapeutic modality called internal family systems, IFS, that a lot of facilitators in our referral network, a lot of individuals who move through psychedelic processes are speaking very highly about. And what's worked really well and personally for me is a more union-oriented therapy. That, that's Carl Jung and his you know philosophies there. And that is sometimes related or called like parts work or shadow work or archetypal therapy. Those ones have been really, really massive and helpful for me to use a framework that, oh, there are all of these different parts of myself that are working in conjunction, aka your operating system to a degree. And coming into relationship with those different parts of yourself can allow you to come into a greater relationship with yourself. Also, you know, just worth mentioning that ketamine and microdosing are oftentimes adjuncts in integration processes. Um, When I think back on uh, my clients who are moving the closest towards their intentions and goals, you know, stripping away privilege and access and means and all of that, I think that there is, is a corollary to folks doing ketamine sessions in addition to their integration process and ongoingly. The same with microdosing, you know, psilocybin. So just some things to consider there too. I think the last piece of advice that I that I have here, you know, I'm talking through all of the, di- the different ways that integration can look. And I hope that this is an inspirational, you know, set for you to have some curiosity, maybe have some courage to go out and try, you know, a couple of things. But I think the one of the most overlooked parts of integration is that you got to let life happen a little bit. I think that so many people are in practice mode or they're in like student mode that they forget to go out and actually play the game. They forget to go out and actually live life and in that living a life of new experiences or however you define living your life, whether that's having meaningful relationships, working towards building something, going out and having novel new experiences, going out and supporting others, volunteering, working, whatever it is, those are helpful in processing through integration because those are all comparison points. Oftentimes, this integration thing is happening in the background. And so we may not even notice that there's some type of a shift or some type of a change within us until we go through an experience that we really loved before. And now we're like, oh, that's a little different. You know, I have much more of an appreciation 
to go out and see a sunset or a sunrise or go camping or ski. These are obviously examples from my own life. Ah, this is feeling a little different. I'm wondering why that's feeling different. And if you have a good support system around you, people that you can go through and talk to, if you have a good sense of regulating your own operating system and checking in with yourself and having that experiment of yourself and being honest with yourself and observing yourself, I think that that can set you up with just a good navigational uh, system in which to work through your own integration process. So. I hope that those things are helpful for you here today for anybody who is considering a psychedelic experience or just recently had one and are wanting to explore new ways of integration or maybe you're feeling a little stuck in integration and maybe this can bring up some thoughts and ideas for you. So thanks for being here you know, with me today. As we wrap up this episode, I do want to share um, a couple of, uh, of testimonials. You know, really, this is this is to give accolades to our entire team here at Psychedelic Passage. You know, the Nick and I are co-founders. We're just two individuals as a part of this larger community, really out there to try to directly serve and be of value to folks in the psychedelic space. So, this one individual who went through a ceremonial program wrote. Uh, I had a lot of confidence going in because of the reputation of this group and everything went smoothly from the initial call with Psychedelic Passage through the program and Ceremony Day and after. Um, Another individual wrote, I'm very grateful to the co-founders and for the Psychedelic Passage podcast and information that continue to bring me new understandings of the plant and fungi medicines and how it works so Again, this is a really, really big shout out to our team. This is a big shout out to our community. You know, sometimes it's easy for us to forget that all of the work that we are striving to accomplish is actually directly supporting folks, folks out there like you. Thank you so much. That wraps up our episode. You can get episodes of the Psychedelic Passage podcast Really, anywhere you find podcasts, we primarily put this up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and then the videos on YouTube. And we look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks. I am excited to share a new offering that can be found on our website, psychedelicpassage.com, which is our digital store. We here at Psychedelic Passage are constantly thinking about ways to enrich the intentional psychedelic process for our community. And now with this digital store, you'll be able to find preparation guides, integration guides, and recorded workshops that are typically only available to our clients. We hope that this is an exciting offering and we look forward to adding more content over time. So check out the link in the episode description below or visit our website, psychedelicpassage.com. And we are very excited to expand our service offerings to the greater community.